Hi, I'm Warren. And I'm Adam, and we work for the Sanguine Writing House, which is the UK's leading provider of online and in-person team building, training, and mental health support. Okay, and this is the next episode of our podcast, Minefield. And today we're joined on this show by Steve Walker, who sets up a group called Solo Parents. So, hi Steve, if you just want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do. Hi guys, um, yeah, I'm Steve Walker, I'm 42 years old, solo parent to a 10-year-old son and a 14-year-old daughter, uh, live in Darwin, and I work for Lancashire County Council. So you mentioned this, Steve, that you're a solo parent. So if you don't mind just telling us a little bit about um, how that came about and then how you uh, went on to set up the support group that you run as well in its first format. Yeah, sure. Um, So it was about seven years ago now. Um, My son was three at the time. um, And unfortunately, my marriage broke down and... And um, I was left with uh, my son, who's three at the time, and my daughter, who was about six and a half. And um, I, uh, I've raised them full time uh, for quite a long, long stint, really. Um, uh, but they do have contact with the mum uh, every other weekend. And um, kids love the mum to bits, and we're amicable. And um, unfortunately, the relationship just didn't work out so um then the journey was adjusting to that almost like shell shock of the event um and uh, obviously i went through a period of depression at the beginning and questioning everything uh, that gone on and whether you know i could have done anything else to to make it work and then um uh to, to basically self-help myself, I went into running. Uh, I ran a half marathon and then progressed to a full full marathon. Uh, and that seemed to get me to a place where then I thought, okay, yeah, I'm feeling a bit better now. Um, this was like two years on. And um, I uh, decided to set up a group um, with a, a long-standing school friend. Um, and from there we set up a Facebook group called Single Parents United. Um, and the, the basic vision of that group um, was to prevent social isolation and help families and their children make new friends um, and be able to access a community without the fear of going out on their own or, or whatever anxieties they were facing. Um, and that that's a general crux of it. I suppose because you know I, I've got a two year old, and and sometimes it's you do feel like you are socialised a little bit. But obviously, I'm lucky in the fact that if I were I can go out, my partner will stay home and, and look after our daughter. And at the same time, I'm more than happy to stay home and and she can go out. But I know it, if you're on your own, you, you just don't have that, do you? You've just got no access to to that social kind of element of apart from other little like toddler groups maybe or something but so so what does your group what do you do within your group 
So obviously we're online and we've got a big online community um, and basically we, we can all communicate as, as we're doing now. We do Zooms, um, uh, we do quizzes. Um, we tend to put topics on each week, um, like solo parent theme topics. So for example, forgiving your ex-partner, that could be a theme. Who's ready to forgive, who's not? Um, you know, what are the positives and negatives? Um, it could be about dads who were being restricted contact, or even mums who are being restricted contact, yeah. depending on which side of the coin it is. Um, to then progress into regular week weekly meetups that's during the week or at the weekend. So we'll be doing walks. Uh, we've just come from a camping trip. Uh, we've done two nights camping that was really successful um we've been to blackpool beach st anne's um manchester for the day uh you name it we'll, we'll do it um but basically we'll literally i'll just put an event on saying we're going uh, to st anne's beach at 12 o'clock anyone who wants to join come and then we might get a message saying well actually i haven't got my kids well, to combat that, I've made it inclusive so that we say, look, if you haven't got your kids, you can still come. Yeah. Uh, and that's weird because a lot of people without the kids have then come and they've either helped out or then people have just mingled together and chatted. It's that social connection, isn't it? That's that's important. Mm -hmm. How many people did you did you have in that in that first kind of setup? Well, the first group, the single parents united, had 1,200. And the error that I've made at the time is me and my mate, it, it got too big before we even got going. Uh, yeah. And we made it UK wide when really we should have done what I'm doing now, which has made it northwest. Because obviously, having it UK wide, we're going to have people that haven't got as many parents in their areas to connect to. So that's when I went back to the drawing board. Okay. Yeah. So when you went back, so what what was the next step or stage on that then? So uh, because we were called Single Parents United, this was another problem. Uh, we were attracting a lot of people who thought this is a dating site, which it wasn't. So um, the problem was at this point, um, I then became unwell mentally um so it's whether you want me to talk about that now or where you want me to go from there yeah you, you can do i mean it's it's part of your journey and part of your story isn't it so I, I mean you've obviously you've mentioned and alluded to that you had your first kind of initial idea and concept and your first group um and then i think you know as, as we discussed yesterday that you encountered some problems and, and became ill so i mean if you could tell us a little bit about that so That's leading up to the so we're single parents united we've got 1200 members over across the uk but predominantly we had a lot of people in lancashire um and then we um we hit covid and we went and did everything online we were doing mental health weeks we were doing disney weeks quizzes all sorts online to keep everyone ticking over and then I got a, an ear infection um, in my left ear. And then remarkably, I got another one in the right ear. Um, 
and obviously I was supposed to be working, but I couldn't hear and I couldn't, I was in pain. So I had to then, because I do wear hearing aids, for those of you who don't know, I am naturally deaf. Um, but then uh, I had to, um, from that, um, go and see the doctor for some treatment. So he uh, gave me antibiotics, didn't work. So he gave me a different antibiotic, didn't work. And then obviously they referred me for the... Hello? Yeah, you still here. Oh, sorry. Um, I just got interrupted there. Um, and then um, I, um, where was it? Yeah, so I had to be seen and they said, oh, no, you need surgery. But you can't have surgery for at least 12 months because of COVID. So I was basically told, well, I'm going to have to live with this for a while. But the problem was, as you'll know, those of you out there who've had an ear infection, uh, it really affects your sleep. Um, I was just popping painkillers and uh, so I weren't sleeping and this went on for a good six months and so I'm a guy that's gone from full-time work to no longer working to having the kids at home because of the lockdown crisis uh, so they're not in school all the time and then progressively deteriorated mentally um, to the point where it just became unbearable so I was so depressed um and this was nothing to do with my separation years back because i've overcome all yeah. that uh, and i went uh, to the doctors and i went look I, I can't live like this anymore um so he gave me an antidepressant um which you know obviously was a sound idea at the time because <laughs> there was nothing else working i couldn't exercise because i was i was run down you know exercise yeah. would have been the go to go back to running, but because I've got stuff coming out of my ears, I couldn't do that. So he gave me an antidepressant, and within two weeks, my whole personality changed. I started developing anxiety attacks, panic attacks. I had this voice in my head all the time, day and night. And because I went sleeping, I had it all night. So going to bed was the scariest part of my day because uh, you just lie there, obviously, with no distraction. And um, this voice basically was saying to me um, that I wasn't good enough. Uh, my kids didn't like me. Uh, my work didn't like me. Um, my group hated me. Because uh, I did have a few problems with the group at the time because with everything with COVID, um, you know, we got a bit criticised uh, as a group. And um, I personally came under attack a few things and then um uh so all this then really hit me uh but the minute i went on these tablets these panic attacks and anxiety attacks led to this voice constantly saying to me you need to go and kill yourself um, and it weren't just like once twice a day it was constant uh, so for example i have uh, you need to go to preston docks jump in now um, and it'll all be over you won't have to suffer anymore and I got, you need to drive on the motorway and crash uh, anyway you can. That came up regularly. Um, or oh, I take an overdose. Um, and I, at the time, I had my mum coming round to help uh, with the kids. Um, they had no idea what, what was going on in my head. Um, and I was, what's the word? Uh, I, was, um, I was just somebody else in the room. I was just like a ghost. 
everything yeah. was going on around me. The kids knew I weren't happy, but they just thought it was down to the ear infections. Um, and then um, I uh, I cried out for help. I rung uh, I rung A and E, and um, they they got me to go to some kind of respite place for five days, um, where basically they like a couple of hours intervention with you but it's all about you working on yourself but um that didn't help me whatsoever because the problem was which i didn't know at the time was the drug i was on um uh, and my mum obviously noticed it more than anyone because she could see the change in me um, and obviously the more i was on it the worse things went um, and then uh, that didn't work after the cry out for help with A&E. Uh, not saying anyone did anything wrong. Um, no. And then I came home and within about three days, uh, I had a really bad night. And I woke up and I said to my mum, I can't go through another night like that ever again. Um, and uh, the following evening, it was about six o'clock in the evening. Uh, the kids weren't there, fortunately. Um, but my mum was in the room uh, on the phone and I just took a massive overdose of over a hundred pills of different uh, combination of antidepressants and um, paracetamol. And then I woke up in Royal Blackman Hospital. Um, I didn't know what had happened, to be honest. It, the event itself, it doesn't really, I don't remember it very well, but my mum was able to tell me everything that happened. And then um, the mental health consultant uh, assessed me, uh, the top bloke, I can't remember his name, but they got this top guy to do an assessment because they can't understand my history was always clean. You know, never had a mental health concern ever other than depression, which a lot of people can experience small bouts of it. Yeah. And uh, he said, no, it's, it, it's a drug you're on. I'm going to get you off it. And they weaned me off it. And I had to stay in there for three weeks. Uh, but because I was that worried about going home, I asked voluntarily to go on the mental health ward um, so they could do more tests and assess, which he agreed to. Uh, so I went on voluntarily. And, oh, my God, it was the scariest place. I'd never mm -hmm. want to go back. Never go back on a ward like that ever again. And I, only, I, lasted, I lasted 24 hours I begged them to let me go, but obviously I had to stay for the time of my assessment. So they managed to let me go after two nights, um, but I would never go. I'm not saying everywhere is like that, but this particular place was just not good for me whatsoever because of the people that I was surrounded by. Yeah. That's one of those, isn't it? It's just so scary, but so many people need help. And it so all and all this was just down to being prescribed the wrong drug for you. According to the consultant, I mean, to me it made sense because if there was ever a time I would have self harmed, it was when my wife left, and um, mm. because I felt I didn't want to live anymore, as uh, everything was against me. Um, it wasn't just her; there was all sorts going on in the background in in my personal life and. Um, can't go into too much detail, no. but I was under a lot under a lot of um, stress from um, uh, outside people, basically, who uh, 
couldn't basically finish me off. But um, basically, that was a time that I would have, you know, but because I, didn't, I went on any medication, I just said to myself, there's no way I can leave Harry and Lily. You know, they need me now more than ever. And um, But when I was on these pills, I didn't think for one minute about my son and daughter. Not one minute. It's frightening, isn't it? And I, I think, you know, it, we, we mentioned yesterday when we were chatting about, you know, if you look at the um, the kind of leaflet that comes with medication, you know, mm. what, one of the, the side effects with a lot of um, antidepressants, antipsychotic drugs is suicidal thoughts. And, you know, how many people um, read that white leaflet? How many people are aware that, that that medication could cause them to feel suicidal. I mean, like in your case, I mean, you know, we're very thankful that, you know, you you came through the other side and, you know, you're in a good place. But how many people that have been prescribed the wrong medication or have been, um, you know, unaware of the, the effects have not managed to, um, you know, come through the other side. And, and I think that's quite scary. Mm in terms of, you know, doctors prescribing medication and, you know, not fully knowing the impact that it can have on people. Mm. <clears throat> I think there's think... no thing though, isn't there, that obviously for some people it isn't the wrong medication. Yeah, I mean, it's we're just... not experts, but yeah. Yeah, we, we're not experts. And obviously everybody's got different synopsises and you'll take to a medication in a different way to other people. So we, we'd never advocate don't take medication. Um, no, no, no. I, I think you just need to. I, with, with things like this, there probably needs to be a little bit more contact with the doctor, more or more check-ins with somebody. You know, day one, day three, day day five. Because as the more medication you're taking, the more that those signals are getting through. So I think there should be maybe a bit more monitoring at that in the early stages to make sure it is the right one for you and if you start mm. seeing any other signs wean you off put you on to onto something else i think but like adam said yeah. it's great that obviously that you came through on that and then, and then somebody's there commented saying that they know the voice all too well COVID did so much damage to their own mental health and it's taking longer to get back to that balance the fact that you're doing well now shows what a superstar you are I have to agree with that you know the fact that you've you've come out of that and then you've you've now rebuilt your group as well and, and you know you've, you've continued to do the great work that you were doing in at, the, at that point you know before this happened what how has your experience of what you went through there then impacted on on the group now um well, i just wanted to just summarize something um uh, with the, the medication, um, and one thing I got told was it's about trying a different one um, mm. until you've hit the right one. Now, and I do know people that have hit the right one and they're sorted now, the life's going great, and that's why there's an, advoc- uh, there's an argument for and against it. Um, but what I would say is uh, if you've got children and you've got you know real responsibilities in your life, is it worth the flipping risk? You know what I mean? Is there an alternative? Uh, it all depends on that person's mental illness. Uh, yeah. But the, the big point I did want to hit home was any families out there, because my mum and my dad, 
and my family could not believe that I would ever get to this point. Do you know what I mean? Um, they couldn't understand it. But if I had died, I wouldn't have been able to explain this to them. So what I would like to get out there is anyone who's lost somebody to suicide, who may not know whether they were on a medication or not, if they were on a medication, I'm pretty damn sure that that could have been one of the factors that led to their, you know, self-harming, because there's no way I would have ever done this unless I was on that drug. I know that for a fact, you know. Yeah, I mean... Uh, so, so go back to your question. Uh, your question was, how have I changed with the group? Uh, we're a lot more mental health focused than we ever were. So we do a well-being check every Monday uh, where we put hearts on of how we feel. So our red heart is really good, orange heart pretty good. And then obviously you can imagine as we're going down, it's okay or I need to reach out. And on that post is all the links to where to signpost someone. Because uh, obviously we're not counsellors, we're not going to try and yeah. start talking to them. Uh, what we do do is befriend them and we'll say we'll be friends with them and we'll listen to them. And, talk to them but ultimately they need to get some help you know that's that's really good because you, yeah you, you're signposting people and it's a safe place where people know that they can put their hand up and say yeah i need that help you know and it's amazing that people feel within your group you know that they feel safe they feel respected and, and they feel like they're, they're supported you know and so your name's changed slightly now, isn't it? Because it used to be, it was Single Parents UK. Yeah. So now we're called, uh, well, basically we've still got that group, Single Parents United uh, North West, but it, sorry, Single Parents United UK, but it's called Solo. So we've still got that group. But I just thought, you know what, brand new start, brand new me. So I created Solo Parents United Northwest, um, just for the Northwest, and we've got 650 members since about February. We got got going. Um, now we're now in June, July, aren't we? So that's pretty decent numbers Amazing. already. Yeah. Um, but it, a lot of it is with the Solo Parent journey is about whatever's happened to them and how. They, if they can find somebody in the group that also been through it. So domestic violence is a common theme. Um, if they link up with someone who's been through that, then they've got a friend for life to help talk it through. Um, and what we do is we use a lot of our experienced members now and help sort of make them like mentors or admins or yeah. befrienders. And we, we basically say, oh, Johnny's just joint group. Do you want to like, you know, get to know him a bit and, just make sure he's all right and maybe maybe join him on a, an event because he's not feeling confident. So we, we try and do that through the group. And then up, the women do all, all this donkey work, to be honest with you. They're really good, the, the female members. Because uh, you can imagine from a, a male perspective, it, it is hard to support somebody who's basically been, you know, treated badly by a male. So... They, they often need a female companion. Um, I, I suppose it'll go the flip side as well because you know, a male coming to the group might find, because men find it hard to talk anyway, but for them to open up to 
another bloke might be quite difficult. But if you've got several people kind of trying to befriend you, I think a lot of it is just about creating a a big friendship kind of circle and and looking out for each other and letting know that you're all there for each other. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, though, guys, I mean, I really like you, you show a uh, big compliment to you because I have tried, tried so hard to promote uh, dads joining the group. Uh, I don't know what it is, but we're talking like 15% of our group are male and the rest are women. You know, I've, I've approached all the dads groups, I've put it on all the Facebook notice boards, I've been to dads groups and told them about us, and it is that thing that men don't want to talk on share like yeah it, it is seen as you know stupidly it's seen as a weakness mm. and it it really isn't it you know it's one of the things that people really need to get out there and talk um in a, in a future show we've got a gentleman who's got a group called talk yourself well and that is, you know, what he does with Simon. That's Simon. it, yeah. Um, and what he does with his group is, is again, it's amazing. You know, the, he it gets is, all yeah. these men to open up. Um, and it, it is, you know, it's sad that, you know, we, we need the guys to open up and, and get involved. You know, we all need, everybody needs support. I think we, we need to stop thinking of it as, as male and female. It's just people need support. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. You know, and as somebody says here, you know, the support system is needed more than ever now. Uh, and what you're doing with these parents is incredible. So, yeah, keep up the good work. And we wholeheartedly agree with that. I think it's 650 odd members, I think, is, is astounding in the Northwest. And, and that's only going to grow. I think if you just keep on doing what you're doing, you know, yeah. you say, just that friendship will help these people out so much. Um, and obviously we'll, we'll post up, you know, the links to your, your site and that. So if anybody wants to, to get involved. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can run all the events, guys. I'll just have a rest. For yeah. a bit. <laughs> That's it. I think there'll be some uh, collaborations coming <laughs> in the future. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, no, so thanks for telling your story. You know, it's, uh, it's not always easy sharing um, when we've been in a dark place, but, you know, really, really pleased that you're in a good place now and, you know, that you're doing so well. And, and thank you for sharing. And, yeah, we just want to wish you best of luck with the group and, and what you do in the future. But thank you for coming on and, and sharing that with us. No, yeah. thanks for having me, guys. You, what you're doing is amazing work as well. So Thank you. And that, that's one thing just before we are we tying up there. Yeah. Uh, is is. The um, the thing I find nowadays is no one wants to work together. They all want their own baby, as they call it. Yeah. And uh, I'm sick of that term. It's my baby. We call our, our group our group, not my group. It's a united group of people. I just literally, you know, advertised it for people to join. It's not owned by me. It's just a Facebook group. And the people make it the group. There's so many people that won't work together, and if we all work together, just think how many problems it solves. Well, this is what we're, we're we're trying to do. So this, you know, we invite people onto the podcast. Tell us what you're doing. We'll support it. You know, and it's we want to give people as much information as possible. There's lots of people out there who can help us. You know, there's lots of people out there who can help you. 
and that's what we want to do. It's this isn't meant to be a selfish kind of thing. It's not ours. Like I say it's it's for everybody. And yeah. in the overall scheme of things, you know, everybody's mental health is important, and whatever helps that individual helps that individual. You know, exactly, so yeah. what we do might not, but something you do will. You know, and it horses for courses. Mm. Yeah, as Adam said. We lost forward. We are. <laughs> yeah. And we oh, have uh, Patrick Dial, who's a consultant psychotherapist. We're going to be discussing the world according to you, which is an exploration of the nature of reality and our mental health. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, really looking forward to that because obviously Patrick's brilliant. Uh, and you've been brilliant as well, Steve. So, again, thank you so much for that. It's been yeah, amazing. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. See you later. Bye-bye. The Mindfield Podcast has been presented by the Sanguine Writing House, the UK's leading provider of online mystery and strategy games, along with team training, mental health awareness, and mental health first aid courses. To find out more and to book your course or game, please visit tswh.co.uk.